Welcome to this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast. I'm your host, Surreal Gerald Quinn. Hope everybody, I hope everybody out there enjoyed their weekend. I have a, this is, of course, episode 764. Uh, getting close to uh, 770, so before you know it, it'll be 800 um, a few months. But tonight, we have a special guest um, joining the podcast. She's been on here before, and it it being Women's International Day, um, is I just saw it as it's just no reason why she was she would be one of my first choices to be on here. I think it was just makes perfect sense for her to be on here. Monique Malabet joins the program. Monique, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. Now, Monique, um, you are, of course, a one of the top hundred realtors in uh, in the D- in the DMV area. Um, you also are a part of Young Black and I Invest. Uh, what tell us about Young Black and I Invest before we get into the uh, to honor in Women's International Day? Yeah, so Young Black and I Invest is my podcast that I launched a couple years ago now, and um, just we essentially what we do is interview people and we just talk about everything from like finances and we talk about black excellence and uh, I'm actually going to relaunch it and start it up again this year. Uh, last year, things slowed down a little bit because the real estate market got a little bit crazy. I got super busy. So I'm excited to get it launched and start it a little earlier than what I typically do during the year. But that's essentially what it is. And it's just my like little alter ego, you know, podcast, <laughs> I like to say. Yeah, definitely looking, definitely looking forward to uh, hearing great things from uh, Young Black and I Invest, um, just pushing real estate and entrepreneurship to, you know, to the next level, hopefully. And Black excellence. Black excellence <laughs> first and foremost. Um, of course, this is Women's International Day, um, a just a, a special day, to say the least. Uh, women's, of course, is Women's History Month in general. And uh, what when you woke up this morning, we saw all the number of uh, reports and articles and things celebrating this day what, what were your thoughts initial thoughts i honestly it was just honestly it was just that you know not gonna say it's about time but it's about time that we you know just get some recognition and some acknowledgement because <laughs> as we know women have been contributing to not just to america but to the world for a very long time you know women are doing extremely well we have been for some time as as in general uh but of course you know, many stereotypes out there uh, make it seem as if women are not able to, you know, succeed, you know, outside of just, um, I would just say outside of the house, right? Uh, but women have been contributing to history um, for, for since the beginning of time. So it's just exciting that we're, you know, we're getting a real acknowledgement. And, you know, it's actually um, Women's uh, History Month started back in 1987. And it only just grew traction. I mean, they actually started with a, a woman's um, international like day. And that was back, that was out in California. And that was years before, I think it was like 1981 or something like that when they actually started with that day. And uh, no, actually it might've been a couple of decades before. And then eventually, you know, it grew and pop, you know, it grew in population and it turned into a month. So there we go. 
So there are a number of accolades uh, celebrating uh, women on, on, on this particular slide uh, for my audience. Um, you see a Maya Chaka, who was the first, you know, was named recently named the first black women's NFL official. Um, you see the likes of Madam C.J. Walker. Um, you see the likes of Bridget Mason, uh, Mary Ellis Pleasant. Um, and you see what women have done in the business world. Uh, one out of every three women, one out of every three businesses around the world are owned by a woman. Um, black women own 20% of businesses owned by women in general. And you just want to, you want to get back to Maya Chaka, the first uh, women's NFL full-time official. Now, I guess I guess is how you view it in terms of yes, it's exciting to see that, but do you get frustrated seeing? And I was looking up a number of uh, um, a number of women who had who were the first in their respective wherever respective fields, and there were a lot. There were there've been a lot of firsts mm-hmm. over the course of the last twenty years. Yes. How frustrating is that to see, even you know, in twenty twenty one, a first. This you know this kind of late you know we, this country has been around you know for <laughs> going on two hundred plus years. Right. Um, are you is that is it kind of like bittersweet to see? Yes, you're excited to see this person accomplish that and get to know get the uh, uh, recognition and notoriety. But at the same time, you you know you just like you said earlier at the beginning of the top of the podcast, you know it's about time. What are your thoughts? On that? Yeah, I mean, essentially, I've, I just feel like it's just it's a good it's good that, you know, the first are happening. You know, you could never be disappointed or be upset about that because that just lets you know that we're making strides. But it is always frustrating that, you know, we're still hearing about women are the first or even something as, you know, you know, this is important, too, but just as big as a vice president, you know, those things like that, you know, it's frustrating because it's kind of like. We know why, you know, it's the first, you know, a lot of these women are are the first and it comes down to, you know, an institution or, you know, a system that is also sexist. It's very, very sexist. We we're finally at a place where we can actually admit as a country that racism, uh, which is so sad, it had it happened, you know, last year during COVID. And uh, we all know the reasons why, you know, people start to really acknowledge racism. But it's also one of those things that sexism is also a huge, you know, impact on why women are still the first for a lot of things, because it shouldn't be that way. We know there's systems in place and there are people in power that want to limit, you know, women's power. So it is frustrating to still hear the firsts. Of course, I'm always excited. I'm a um, a girl's girl. You know, I have a lot of female friends and um, I realize the power and the strength that we have. But it is always frustrating when you're hearing like, oh, it's the first time a woman has been able to do this because we always know the reason why, because we know we're not we know women aren't like not capable, women are more than capable, but there's so many systems and, you know, and, and power in place that's trying to hold women back in a sense. Um, so the same as racism, there is sexism. Yeah, uh, the, the two are kind of, are I would say not kind of, but are definitely intertwined, to be honest with you, yeah. which to me makes it, I, I just couldn't, <laughs> you know, I'm a black man, so, you know, I, 
relationship of racism um, over the course of my lifetime. But mm-hmm. the black woman, I mean, my goodness, I, like you, have, you all have to face double duty. There's right. racism as well as the sexism. Um, what you, you know, you're a black woman, you're very successful. Um, how far do you think that, that we've come in just your, you know, in your time and as an adult, um, as an adult, and as you navigate through your career, are we, are we, have we making, are we making enough inroads from that standpoint uh, for the black woman, for the woman, for the woman in general, but in particular for the black woman? No, I mean, and I'm gonna say no because we still have issues such as so women are actually they're the majority college educated adults, and they have been for the last what three four decades now women have been, are the most educated. But when you look at different disparities, when you look at the gender gap, uh, when it comes to payment, uh, getting paid and everything like that, I mean, uh, wages. So when you look at the gender gender wage gap, it's still pretty wide. And it, it it's interesting because it's like, the more educated you, you become, you're supposed to what? Have a higher increase of um, income. Right. But we're still not seeing that. And it's been, it's not like this just started happening yesterday. It's not like, Women just got educated last decade. It's been the last three, four decades. So why are we still experiencing this? Or why are we still having like, you know, why are women still limited on what we can do when we've proven that we clearly have the brains and the smarts to do it? You know what I mean? Uh, And then not just that, we also are the fastest, you know, black women own a lot of business. We also start in businesses at at, um, extremely fast rates as well. So, you know, women, we're doing a lot. We're very educated. We're starting businesses. You know, we're raising families, and then we're still limited on certain basic, basic things. And you know, we're not even making the income, even though sometimes women are the ones. You know, not only are we running the households, um, we're also the breadwinners too. So it just doesn't make sense. Something is not added up. And at the end of the day, when you when things like this are not adding up, you you know it's a system. So I feel like we are making strides, but very small, small strides. And just like, you know, many things, it's like technology and it's like certain things are just not, technology is going really fast, but other things are lagging. So inflation is like different things like that you start to really take into account. Like why are things moving so fast and why are we going so fast in certain areas, but we are choosing, and I'm gonna say choosing, because that's what we're doing. We're choosing not to move fast in certain areas, but we're choosing to move fast in other areas. It just, to me, is make it make sense. <laughs> How do you combat that? How do you, as, as, as an entrepreneur, as somebody, as a black woman, how, how, are you per, how do you personally try to fight, try to fight, the, uh, try to fight against the system that is clearly against you and, and against a lot of women, to be honest with you? You know, that's actually a really good question. I think in terms of just continuing to be a successful entrepreneur, not and not just me being an entrepreneur, but teaching other people to be successful entrepreneurs as well. So I'm finally in a place where I'm actually able to now I'm actually coaching and training other real estate agents. And a couple of them are women as well, because I just started last month. So it's super exciting to see, you know, women getting into real estate And when they reach out to me, I'm very open. I'm very like, let's, you know, let's get together. Let me teach you, you know, essentially how to maneuver the game in real estate. So um, for me, it's just, you know, continue to be successful 
on top of the, on top of that, making sure I give back. Um, outside of real estate, in terms of you know, I guess the career aspect, I'm also going to the high schools. So this is pre-COVID. Uh, as many as you guys may, I don't know if you know real, uh, real, but um, maybe um, if other people that are watching that you know, I, I'll share to share your episode as well. But some people know that I'm the president of the Prince George's County Finance and Business Advisory Board. So we actually, I actually go to the different high schools and I help me and I also ensure that I bring a lot of volunteers, a lot of um, you know, business professionals to come to the schools and ensure that we are going to these high schools and teaching, teaching these kids or you know, letting them know this is what you you can do. Like there are individuals that are successful in your local community. And what happens when you do that is that little young girls, when they see, um, you know, a woman like me, but not just me, other business professional women, they become inspired and they know that women can be more than just entertainers. They can also be successful business people. And these women are, you know, local. They're in the community. They're not in some far, you know, far reach country or, you know, state that they can't really um, recognize um, or relate to, not to say recognize, they, they can't relate to. So I, I do volunteer a lot. And like I said, it's pre-COVID. You know, we are going to start back up again once everything kind of clears up. But those are just small examples. The podcast is another example because the reason why I started, launched the podcast is primarily because I wanted to show successful Black people outside of entertainment. I wanted to show that we are also successful and, you know, when it comes to money and finance and different things like that. Um, so the podcast, um, there's a lot of things that I do, honestly. Um, I'm very big on getting together with ladies, you know, just doing small little private events amongst ourselves as well, like different friends or just just people that I've met. I'm always super encouraging. So those are just some of like the some of the things I've done. Um, and it's, it's honestly, is a lot more. I also do a lot of speaking, public speaking events. As you can tell, I like to talk, but I've spoken at, <laughs> I've spoken at the different, you know, like I said, high schools, also universities, et cetera. Long story short, I'm, I'm a huge advocate. I'm out here always pushing a uh, woman being great. <laughs> what, what can men do? Oh, to, um, to kind of. I don't want to put this. Uh, yes, what can yes, what can we do? <laughs> yes, to kind of up to uplift yeah. women, yeah. Uh, in particular. I'll get personal to uplift uplift black women mm-hmm. because I noticed in this year, in particular this year, twenty twenty. Uh, I think, and again, I can't speak for every relationship on. A black woman, a black man, or between a man and a woman. But there, to me, I, I still, in particular, even within the black community, still see a divide, um, which which is troubling. Um, <laughs> to be honest with you, even with the whole, even if I go the entertainment route. With uh, Megan, Megan the Stallion, Megan the Stallion, Tory Lane situation mm-hmm. that transpired mm-hmm. um, over this this past summer. So, I guess you know what you know. How can we you know, how can we close that gap as far as in terms of support? 
I mean, honestly, that's an extremely tough question because I don't think it's one thing. I think it's a lot of different things. I think in terms of just promoting each other, um, especially men, just promoting women as, you know, less like sex objects and promoting us more like, you know, respectable adults, to be honest, or just like someone that you see or view as your equal other than your other than your less than. I get some of the you know, I hear people when it comes to like uh, some of the biblical things, right? Uh, it's like a good number of things that people will use to kind of justify as women not being their equal. But I think that is also, there's a, there's a, I guess there's like a, what, a time and a space for something like that. Um, and I don't want to get all, you know, you know, get religious and everything like that. But I think we need to stop viewing women as, you know, men need to stop viewing women only as like sex objects stop views, viewing women as um, an object, period, like just their possession, right? And just view us as our equals and promote us in that light as well. Stop promoting women only in a sexual way, especially, you know, what's frustrating is that you were born and made by a woman. It, it I never fully understand why men, you know, can be so angry towards women and specifically black men. And I get the music and all that stuff like that, but that's music. Yes. It would be nice if athletes, not just athletes, but it would be nice if it, these entertainers, because I'm going to say like these rappers and stuff like that, because those are primarily the ones it would be great if they would just speak about us a little bit more, you know, positively in general. Um, but it's, that's entertainment and, you know, they have their little art, whatever, but it would be one good if they can get on board as well, as much as they're pushing, you know, racism and that agenda to end it. I feel like they need to take those same steps and do that with sexism. Cause unfortunately, uh, people view these entertainers as idols and they think like, okay, they're rapping about this. So they're doing this. Some of them are, but a good amount of them are not. So it would be helpful if our, I guess, entertainers would step up, but just men um, in regular everyday life, stop acting like that because they're inter you're interacting with women on the regular. And, you know, a lot of, your, a lot of these women are the, your colleagues, your, your mom, you know, your brother, your sister, not, sorry, your sister, <laughs> sorry, and your friend or associate, right? Or your colleague. So it's just very interesting um, why men, you know, continue to kind of just treat women as objects, sex objects specifically. So I said promote, just promoting women in, in positive outlets and viewing them as your sister, whether they are, you know, someone that you're not that close with, but you should still view them like as a sister or your, maybe even your mom. So I think it starts with the small stuff first, and then you can, we can gradually grow into bigger things as, you know, you know, women's international day or not just women's international day, um, international month and, you know, make it a consistent thing year round, not just a day or a month. So hopefully that makes sense. I may have been rambling a little bit, but what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it makes perfect sense. Um, I think that, like I said, it troubles me to see the the number, the amount of hate mm -hmm. that goes that 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 uh, goes um, that's geared towards women, in particular black women. Right now, 
here, the thing about that is, and we, you know, we as a society and um, especially within a black community, we have to, un, we basically, unfortunately, we have to unlearn a lot of, a lot of stuff. Right. Like going back to the decade of the 90s, the 90s was wild, especially in, in hip hop. Some of this thing, right. like even in movie, like you can go back to like Bench the Nerds, mm-hmm. Back to the Future, like, you know, Back to the Future, Marty McFly's, you know, Biff tried to rape uh, Marty McFly's, uh, his mom, uh, Marty McFly's mom. Like that, 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 that was only, that was really a PG. That wasn't even R. So, the, I know, did not the, know that. I yeah, gotta watch that again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. The first one, yeah. Like, oh wow! In the, in the parking lot, yeah. That was, that was sexual assault. Like, it, like we didn't. But again, that was revenge of the nerves. That was that was on that was regular. Right. That was on the regular. You know what I'm saying? And revenge of yeah. the nerves was rated R. Movies like Porky's, things of that nature. So, even with the music, a lot of lyrics, lyrics and things that were were you know. With the monster towards women, uh, mm-hmm. or just lyrics that are wild in general, just like you know, it's, it's stuff like we. There's a lot. It's going. It's a lot. It's a lot to unlearn uh, that right, we have right. to unlearn from now, from from the past up until this point. And unfortunately, it took a. I mean, think about it. it took a whole times up movement just to be like, hey, it's not okay to sexually harass a woman in the workplace i mean like, yeah, yeah. Think, think about that but i mean like, put that in perspective like yeah that should have been that should be you know obvious but you know power is you know that came from a lot of power and the kind that came from a from hundreds and hundreds of years of basically getting away with uh with abusing women and mm-hmm. um and women um you know feeling like they Feeling like, hey, I'll lose my job if I speak out against my boss, or right, um, right. dance and not being in a, in a place of power uh, in order to to, to speak up uh, to speak up against uh, a lot of guys who are out there, the Harvey Weinstein's of the world, and and what have you, Bill Cosby's, and a number of other guys, you know, Kevin Spacey, and, <coughs> excuse me, and those guys that were out there doing, you know, doing what they were doing. So, and go ahead. Good that you. Uh, it's good that you brought that up because I think it's it still comes down to like it's what been a hundred years a hundred years since women actually you know were allowed the right to vote. Um, even then, not all women were allowed. It's kind of like um, in a sense, not even in a sense. It's like when slavery ended. Uh, you know, not all slaves were free. So, and then even once slavery ended, there was still what tons of. Even to this day, there's still so many discriminatory practices out there, and just oh, yeah. redlining, all, you know, all types of stuff that you know, continues. Yeah, all types of shit. Yeah, hap- that happened even once that right of freedom was granted, and it kind of goes the same way when it comes to women's, you know, rights in general. It's like okay, they, you know, they passed this bill, but you know, things didn't happen overnight. And then on top of that, there was still a point where women weren't even supposed to still be working Um, because, you know, we could start looking at different times in history when, you know, women were allowed to, you know, work. If if you did work, there was issues. I mean, heck, there let's talk about real estate. Women weren't even allowed to 
you know, buy a house. <laughs> and, and I'm trying to remember what year that was, but that was way after the women having the rights to vote. Like women buying a house was extremely difficult. There was a lot of hurdles, um, even in the nineties, because I remember on sex in the city, that's my show <laughs> on sex in the city <laughs> where Miranda was trying to purchase a, a property. They discriminated, discriminated against her because they were like, you're a single woman with no kids and you're trying to buy a condo in New York city something must be wrong with you. So that episode, those episodes was, was, was that when I was young and I still remember that. I mean, I watched it again, of course, but I do remember that episode before I got older and watched it as an adult. I remember watching that episode, um, when I was a kid and I was just like, huh, she can't buy a property. And it wasn't that she couldn't buy a property. It was just so many people discriminate her against doing it. Like they wouldn't even give her a loan. She had, I think she had to go to multiple banks in order for them to even approve the application. And I think she may even lied about some things too, or she reported it, but it's crazy how things like that is, wasn't that long ago. That was probably what, 10 years ago. Cause I, I was a kid watching that 10, 15 years ago, watching that on TV. Like what? This is crazy. So, and I'm, in my thirties now. And I'm like, wow, that was not too long ago. So things are still happening even to this day that women are still getting discriminated against. Um, and that's because of, you know, much of our society and not just in America, but nation, you know, worldwide, internationally. There's no question about it. Uh, I'm going to tie something up uh, at the end of the program. Um, mm-hmm. Similar to this, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to hold on to it until we uh, get to that point. The bottom line is, look, I don't, I can't see a world in where, like, you know, I just cannot see a world where we, that a woman should not be in the room, that a woman should not be at the, at, at the seat of the table, that you, that in a world where that a woman shouldn't be a part of any decision-making process in regards to corporations, government, whatever. It's, it's insane. Um, it's insane um, to me um, that that thinking even would even, that's, that that thinking is still, um, still takes place because the bottom line, the bottom line is I, I want diversity in thought uh, that includes different races, different races, genders. I, like we need, you need, you need, different opinions on things. You don't need just a, a room with a whole room with all men, a room mm-hmm. with all, all white men, a room with, you know, all of this, all that. You need diversity, kind of like when you're making, when you're baking and you're mixing the ingredients, you need variety. So I, I can't see a world, a world, a world where women are not near at the forefront in terms of that. Just, it, it, should, it shouldn't exist, to be honest with you. It's just, They've even said like there's been Harvard studies out there, business, the Harvard Business Review and a couple other different studies that women actually are better leaders during crisis, like, you know, major crisis. Women are better and they're and women also cope better under pressure than men. So there's tons of studies out there showing that, you know, us as leaders isn't a problem. And I remember back in the day, there used to be a lot of jokes about, you know, women in leadership positions like, you know. If she's on her that time of the month, you know, she might do something erratic or irrational. I remember jokes happening in high school about why a woman can't why a woman can't be the president of the United States. So it's just interesting. And now all these studies are coming up um, just saying that actually women are better leaders, especially under crisis or when they're or when they're stressed out. Yay! isn't that a beautiful picture? (laughs) Yeah, 
I'm gonna I'm probably gonna fail this test because <laughs> I, I could probably name I can only name about three of these men three three of these mayors. These are all mayors, uh, black women who are mayors across uh, the United States. Uh, I got Keisha Lance Bombs, of course, Marion Bowser, DC. I better know that one. I know, right? Light, Lightfoot from Detroit with her. I forgot her first name. Uh, forgot her first name. I, I apologize to the other four that I can't name. <laughs> so can you can you name all seven of them for the audience, please, as I fail this test? Oh no, I this as well, but we can go ahead and just, you know, name off who I kind of like remember off the top of my head, but I I can't even pretend like I know all of them. Um, because it's, now there's a record number of black women, um, black women becoming mayors than every ever before. Um, so now it's like it's super hard to keep up with all of them, honestly. And I'm trying to see if I remember everybody myself. And I have a couple other like images and stuff too. So you already took the ones that I knew. <laughs> but again, uh, to to Monique's point, that like you have, like I said, you have record number of women who are uh, running these cities, um, and not even to mention, of course, we are the very first uh, lady vice president, Madam Vice President, of course, Kamala Harris. Mm -hmm. uh, who, you know, depending on how these next couple of years go, could possibly be. The very first president of the uh, very first uh, lady president in uh, in the history of the United States. So, um, you know, we had this, so it was a, again a major. This is a big time year for women in 2020 as going into 2021. And I certainly shouldn't leave out one Stacey Abrams, who I'm not going to say single handedly, but was the driving force behind. Mm -hmm. Georgia being flipped to a blue state. And by the way, they they are just the backlash on that has just been. You know, it's it's unbelievable. They're trying to, they're trying. You know, Republicans are trying to go all in on border suppression right now in Georgia as they lost their minds, considering that that state has been flipped. So, and did you say, did you say the left, uh, Keisha Lance Bottoms? You said her. Yes, I said her. Okay, you did. Okay, and the green is I Vi Lies, or Charlotte. Okay. And then um, I don't know about everybody else. I'm trying to see if I can see. Was that Lori on all the way to the right? Because I think she is Lightfoot. I think Lori Lightfoot. Yeah. Yeah, Lori Lightfoot, because she's uh, also actually um, a gay, um, a lesbian. So, but it's more women now. And I'm sorry we wasn't able to put up other images of, um, you know, of women that are not of color up. But there's it's it's a it's just an amazing time right now. No, no this this was this was absolutely uh, the, the perfect image. I definitely this will be on the podcast poster. To be honest, which I'm I'm, I'm going to put this image on on the podcast poster when I uh, when I release it. So it, no, it was it was not this. I, I, this was a, a beautiful picture. And I, I'm you know I'm glad that you put it uh, put it out there. Um, before we move on to the next topic, anything you want to, anything else you want to uh, say about um, Women's International Day? No, I'm just excited to be on the podcast, just talking about. It's just the honor because you know, women, we're doing so much amazing things. I'm not huge into politics, that's why I didn't know everybody's names, but I've recognized uh, actually. What was it? I think the year before last year, about two years ago, how many more women are, you know, how many women are becoming mayors than ever before? I recognize that 
couple of years ago and I thought that was phenomenal. And I was just like, wow, this is this is so great. And not only are we in politics, we're everywhere. We're dominating everywhere. So it's just a beautiful thing. Yeah, no question about it. Again, I'm going to tie in the point that I want to make in regards to seeing we can uh how women could even go be go go further. Uh, and I'll tie it in at the end of the program. So folks, we have a lot of heavy lifting um, left in this podcast. We have a lot of heavy lifting, we have a lot of subject matters that will be, you know, you know, you want to say controversial, you want to say of, of note, yeah, that it, it's, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be some stuff that uh, we talk about moving forward that um, will not be, uh, may not be as, may not be pleasant, may not be a lot of fun, but, you know, this is what we do. You know, no matter what the subject matter is, we can we're gonna, we can discuss it. One subject matter that you know doesn't won't fall into that category is filters. So <laughs> now filters have been around for a couple of years now. Um, there's nothing new per se. Uh, they're relatively new, but they they've really taken they really you know, I would say in the last two or three years, especially this particular year, as the social media as social media has kind of taken over the internet. They have really uh, shined through, in particular on on Instagram, where it's like, uh, you know, it is like a playground in terms of the technology and what could be done with filters. Um, the question is, are social media and app filters out of control? And the reason why I pose that question is, I was, you know, I'm on Instagram, uh, I'm on apps, I'm on a, I'm on a dating app, matter of fact, uh, right now. Um, and I'll see a picture and then I'll look at another picture and I'll say, it'll be on the same page, but they look like the, the person will look like a different, completely different person. Or I'll see, so I'll see a filter on a, on Instagram and say, this look, this is looking cartoonish. And, and I hate to say this on women's international day, a lot of the a lot of the uh, filters that I've noticed that are being used or overused are by women. Um, and, you know, I just wonder, and some of the, again, and these are not women who are in their 50s or 60s who are trying to, re, you know, get back their 30s and 20s. Like, no, no, no. These are women who are in their 20s and early 30s. And with a lot of them being even in their 20s, uh, mid to late 20s who are just going buck wild with these filters. I mean, again, these filters look, these filters look, some of these filters look like, look like cartoons. Let me just be, just be completely honest with you. I, again, I do say this on Women's International Day, but it's just something that has to be said. Um, what are your thoughts on, on filters? Well, I like them. <laughs> and I have to agree with you. It's a little catfishy out there when it comes to the filters. So I do feel bad, probably more so, especially for men, because obviously they can make someone look completely and totally different. So it definitely, definitely, definitely does suck, especially when it comes to the dating side. And just when you're just on social media, just trying to, you know, look at somebody's page and look how, just to see how they look naturally or, or, or on the regular. Right. So it is very deceiving. 
And like I said, it's very, uh, it's catfish. It's very, it's catfish all day um, via these, you know, dating apps and some of the social media apps. If you're like, well, let me see how they look, you know, you know, if you're on a dating app, they have it, the settings at the bottom where you can go ahead and go on their social medias. So their social media page, and it does suck because it's like, then you meet them in real life. They're not who they look like at all on, you know, in real life. So it, I think they're fun. I only do them for fun. I don't use them for dating apps and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, I do I do play with filters, especially in my stories, because I like to have different like colors, different looks. And, you know, I think they're just I think they're just fun. But I get it. Some people are taking the, that fun to the next level and they're trying to apply it as if that's how they look 24 seven. So it can be very. You know. Yeah. There, so there are. All right, there are levels to filters. Okay, so I've seen some of your filters, and those are completely not the ones that that I'm talking about. Oh, okay. Let me be perfectly honest with you. I'll, and I'll see other I'll see other women's filters who will have their regular face and just have flowers around their head. I'm not talking about that. I'm not okay. that part. I'm not. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the virtual plastic surgery. Oh, have some women done been doing <laughs> these filters, and I that's what I'm gonna call it. I'm calling it virtual, virtual plastic surgery. Surgery, oh my and, god! And I'm like, and I hit, and again, I can already feel the wrath of women right now saying, "Are well, you just looking at us for our looks?" No, that's not. No, I'm not just looking at you for your looks. But when I see that, I do. I wonder about what's in your. I wonder about your mentality. Do you love? Do you love yourself? That's what I wonder about. I, I, to be perfectly honest with you, why? So, are you trying, why are you trying to look like somebody else? Mm-hmm. And so, I get what you're saying. I think that's going to be taken a little far in terms of like, hey, do you love yourself? But I understand if they're like using it for their dating profile, and then you know, you meet them in person, they look nothing like that filtered them filtered a hundred pictures that they took and added on their dating profile. So that is something I can definitely hear where you're coming from and at virtual plastic surgery. That's actually an interesting choice of words. <laughs> well, let, let me eliminate the dating. Let me eliminate that. Cause I think people definitely will. It was funny though. Honestly, I it is funny. no, it's funny. <laughs> I'll, I'll just go for Instagram. Even if you're just going through pictures on Instagram, you're just going right. Through going through pages and what have you. And I, you know, I'll see just again, I, I'll be like, yeah, I, I'll see pictures and I'll be like, I it'll be just like this is this is a filter. Like I, yeah. I just absolutely tell like this this is a this is without question one thousand percent a filter. And it jump it, and it jumps out. And I, I'm just, you know, I'm you no know, listen, I'm not all I'm not I'm not against at all, you know, people people go on television. They put on makeup. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, men and women, for that matter, on television. Right. On television who do don't want to ground you out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's I, that is perfectly fine. I, I understand that, but you can also put on too much makeup. And, and women, yeah. women will tell you you can put on. Women criticize other women for putting on too much makeup. So this is not just right. me mm-hmm. talking about women. Women will. I've, I've I had many. I know many women in my life. I have grown up with women who who call out other women. For That's actually true. That's true. And I agree with you on that. 
So to me, you know, it gets to a per, it gets to us, uh, it gets to a point, and I get out and get back to the plastic surgery point, plastic surgery aspect. You know, you can look at some of these celebrities and be like, "Damn, they, you know they had some work done." Right. I mean, rest rest in peace, Joan Rivers. But she was like Joan Rivers was like the you know, if there was plastic surgery in the dictionary, Joan Rivers picture. Uh, like Joan Rivers, it got to a point where like, damn, oh really? Like what? How much? How much work are you gonna get done? Right. I mean, That's you're true. old. You're getting older. Just, I, I mean, I don't. I mean, you, at certain point, at certain points, it's like it just don't matter. At certain mm-hmm. point, at certain point. No, and I I agree with you on that because that's I agree with you on that because you're right. Women do because I'll tell my girlfriend like, girl, you got way too much makeup on. Go ahead and take that off, or you know, this is just not blending. Or you know, even sometimes when their their hair is out of control, I'll be like, you know, maybe you should like. This is a lot. You're doing a lot, and it is a bad thing. Like I said, when you actually meet those same people in person, and then all of a sudden they don't look anything like them selves and then they're upset when the guy's not interested anymore because it's like dude your entire page is filtered up i didn't know how you really looked and then they, then they get butt hurt because it's like well maybe you should chill down on the filters and i'll say this i'll, I'll get back to the to the dating apps to the data apps uh into the dating thing i'll say this if you so if your filters are to a point to where you go, you meet a dude, and he says, like, whoa, like, I, this is not, even his body language says, this is not the same person that I saw right. on uh, Instagram or, or in your profile. That's a problem. Like, that, your filters, the, the difference between your filters should not be that, that distinct. Yeah, like that's a, that's a, that's a because the dude's gonna think now you might have you gonna you, you, I can't I can't I can't sit up and pretend like dudes are gonna be like not you know they're not guys out there who are just looking at the face who are looking at just who are not just looking at uh, who are just looking at the face and body of course the guys out there looking who are in bad shower of course right right but there is there are also also guys who are you know like myself who are thinking about mentality even mm-hmm. more so than what your actual looks are. It's about when you see that, we like, my, my thought process is like, look, what, why, why are you feel? why do you feel the need to have that, uh, to use the filter to that extent? What's, right, in, right. what's in your head? So my thoughts are going to go, go directly towards your mentality more so than just the actual, how, you know, more so than your actual looks per se. Right. I mean, it, it, made you, it makes you think and wonder, like, if there wasn't any filters, what, what pictures would you be using? It makes you wonder, like, you know, what would you do? <laughs> would you go and crop all these pictures or something? I don't know. Like, it makes you do what it may, It just makes me wonder because I, I have a I have a mixture of photos, but I do have some regular photos without any filters as, at all as well. So, um, yeah, it's just it's, it is interesting that you said that. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's 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 something that uh, uh, is it, it's not going anywhere. It's only going as the technology increases. It's only going to get worse. To be honest, that's the scary Definitely. because technology technology moves at the speed of light. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of the some of the things that like that can be done on a computer or with some of these apps and right. social media is just you know it's it's, it's, it's unbelievable. But it's only going. It's, it's seemingly only going to get worse. Right. So, you know, 
fellas, I don't, you know, I don't know what to, I just, I don't know what to tell you. Yes, uh, <laughs> you know, I guess I would just assume that you just try to have a conversation before you meet the person. Oh, okay, <laughs> okay, because men lying about themselves as well. Maybe they don't use filters, but they definitely will flex about who they are and you know what they got going on. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it goes, but no, it doesn't. I feel it. like everybody's catfishing everybody. Honestly, everybody. Yeah, no, everybody. <laughs> Yeah, no, it goes, but it, it definitely it's a, it's a lot. It's a lot I got. It's a lot of you know. I'm wearing this chain, and you find out that the dude, right. I got all this money. I work here. Grandma. I do this. And you I'm find out this. Grandma. Yeah. So you know. right, and you're like, <laughs> so I think everybody, obviously, the the cliche cheesy thing to say is just be honest and be real about who you are. But we know how that works. It just, just, it's just not how it is. Everyone puts on their what do they call it? Their representation or they put on their whatever in the beginning is your job to kind of dig, dig, dig further. So for men, it's probably them filters. You got to meet them in person and be like, Ooh. and for women, we have to kind of like get to know them and seeing if they're really flexing or they're telling the truth about who they are. So I feel like in that dating space, you just got to dig a little deeper, dig a little deeper. And yeah, you know. I think I think big picture to me, big right. picture in regards to social media and this, with regards to social media, mm-hmm. that and you know this as well as I do that social media has created this fantasy alternative reality. Yep. Alternative, yeah, alternative reality and filters all, all filters are just contributing that, to that to that reality to that alternative reality. Right. That this is another tool that that just kind of you know separates people from act from from what's real from um from being real or for uh, in terms of being their authentic selves mm-hmm. and it's also a thing where it is it just increases the you know increases our our interest in the, the visual makeup versus you know personality versus conversation versus things of, of that nature um Again, I and, and my message to people in general, because I'm sure that there are men that use filters as well. Don't even don't don't I I'm not I know I, that I, 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 by any means I'm not trying to say that only, only women use filters. That's, that's definitely not true. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I've definitely seen it too. And it's just like <laughs> so that's, that's oh. not, yeah, I'm not gonna uh, not gonna just point, you know, just uh, point the fingers at the ladies uh, from that standpoint. <laughs> um Okay. But yeah, it's 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 gotten out of control. And it's going. It's only. It's going to even get worse as we move into the um, into the future. Mm-hmm. So, um, Monique, have you ever been to Mississippi? So no, I'm. I'm not. I don't know if I should say unfortunately or what. But no, no I'm sorry, I, was, I was. I was asking. Have you ever been? I was just so I'm like. La- I'm just joking around. I'm laughing because I'm like, wait, is that a? But no, I haven't. <laughs> All right, so I've been in Mississippi one time in my life. Okay. Uh, I was about nine, eight or nine years old, went to a family family reunion, uh, family reunion in the uh, summer, I would say summer of 88, 87, around, okay. around, around one of those years. Had the best time of my life. Uh, really, I mean, it was, it was uh, even to this day, I, I remember that particular family reunion. Mm-hmm. Good, good eating, you know, whole, you know, home cooked meals. Got to see, you know, everybody on my on my grandfather's side. Mm-hmm. 
you know, it had to be, it had to be over, I would say, at least a hundred people there, if not more. Uh, incredible time, incredible time um, there. So that's the last time I've been to the state of Mississippi. Um, I say that <laughs> to say, because I, I, I have to soften up Mississippians because for the next however many minutes in terms of these next two topics, that probably that might be the last nice thing I say about the state of Mississippi. Mississippi. Um, yeah. So recently, uh, this past week, you had the Mississippi House and Senate pass a bill banning transgender athletes from women's and girls sports. So this women's and girls sports includes all three levels, high school, high school, uh, college, and pros. Um, I'm sure as well as middle school as well. Um, so yeah, Governor Tate Reeves uh, signed sign, sign the bill. As you can see the numbers, it wasn't even close. The vote wasn't, votes wasn't even close. House 8128, Senate 34 to nine. Here's what, here's what Governor Tate Reeves had to say uh, about the situation. Um, he signed the bill. Here's what he, here's, here were his words. I'll pull it up real quick. Uh, yes, so if there's one thing that we are passionate about in the Reeves family, it's my daughter's sports. I know that the lessons learned through team sports have led to so many successful lives and careers for women and have truly helped provide a more equal opportunity for success in our world. My girls practice tires tirelessly. They work hard. They've learned how to win, and yes, they've learned what it feels like to be on the wrong end of the final score. It's my, it's true bonding, my happiest and proudest dad moments. It, it is also why I am so disappointed over President Biden's actions to force young girls like them to compete with biological males for access to athletes, for access um, to athletics. It will limit opportunity for so many competitors like my daughters. It is bad policy and it is wrong for America. I just don't understand why politicians are pushing children into tra transgenderism in the first place. <laughs> I certainly don't understand why the president chose to make it a priority in his first days. And my heart breaks for the young women across America who will lose in this radical social experiment. That is Governor Tate Reeves of Mississippi. A lot to unpack there, a lot to unpack with this bill. What are your thoughts? Woo. Wow, that is deep. I'll just say that. Um, now, how do I say this without feeling like um, I dislike or I'm, or I'm against, you know, people being transgender, right? At the end of the day, I'm a Black woman. And I, 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 I hate saying this, but we are still the most hated group. And Black people in general, we still have the highest. And this is statistics. We have the highest uh, rates of hate uh, in terms of uh, hate, actually, mm, violence. We still are the number one um, hated or group that is that has violence against us, right? And that's statistics. You can Google who has the most, um, I guess, crime happening against them um, due to hate, right? And I'm not saying it right, right? So how do I say this without coming off, um, you know, 
as somebody that, that hates, you know what I mean? Or, or it's against, you know what I mean? I, I don't want to say this in a bashing way. I I'm kind of in the greens of what he's saying. And like, I've, that's what I'm trying to say. How do I say this without seeming like, uh, I, that I'm being, you know, hateful or something when I'm not, especially when our community is the most hated on. Um, and it's, you know, those are statistics that shows that, you know, black people still have the most violent crimes against us due to hate. Right. So with that being said, I do believe in science and it's interesting how in one breath we can all say we believe in science, especially when it comes to like COVID and certain things like that. Uh, we all believe in science, but when it comes to other things such as um, transgender, um, I guess more so men, or I guess they at one point they were born a man and then now let's have them, they, you know, they changed over now they're they're considered a woman or whatnot they identify as women so they they change over um so i still believe in science that you know men are stronger naturally you know there's that's just facts there's nothing there's nothing hateful about it so it's very difficult for me as a woman to compete with let's just say you rillo (laughs) thank you (laughs) and i hate to say that i'm just saying like if you say that hey Let's just say next year you decided that this is something, you know, you've identified as a woman and you're going to go ahead and, and change over. Right. And then now let, now you're saying, hey, look, Monique, let's compete in the same sports together. It's very difficult for me to wrap my head around, you know, now that you identify as a woman and you are one for me to think that I'm going to be able to compete with you um, and it be fair. And that's the truth. So. And I, like I said, I'm not against, you know, transgenders. I'm not against, you know, live the life you want to live. But when it comes down to the facts and just plain old science, a little girl competing with a little boy, nine times, nine times, nine times out of 10, and they're the same age and they're the same weight and they're the same height. Let's just say everything is pretty much the same. The little boy is probably going to win. Sorry. And that's just science. That's nothing to do with, you know, me not wanting you to, you know, play a sport. I just don't know how that's considered equal or like technically fair. Um, Cause we know men are naturally stronger, the same height, the same weight, the same age, the same, you know what I mean? Let's just say we find a person that's identical to my, to my stature, that man probably still going to beat me. So I don't know. I think it's extremely hard to think that's okay. And I think maybe, maybe in sports, like maybe when, when maybe at an older age, maybe 18 and over, you can start to, you know what I mean? You could start to allow that. But I think for kids, I think we need to just let them stay as kids and let them just compete. I don't know. It's just, it's probably mean to say it, but what do you, what do you think? And also I want to point out that women can't go and play football. Like, so why is it that men can always, I apologize, a man, uh, I mean, I guess he was born as a man and now he's a woman. Why is it men, I feel like men can always cross over to our spaces. Men can always become a chef. They want to be a cook, you know, oh, I want to be a cook. I want to be a chef now. You know what I mean? And that's supposed to be traditionally what a woman's thing, you know, cooking. And that's the same thing as, um, you know, uh, there's so many things that men always cross over and they intermingle in our space and tell us how to make our own rules and stuff. This goes back to Women's History Month. Right. Um, but women can't cross over and do any men stuff. Any, anytime we try to, it says what well, you guys say, what you go back to science. You're not strong enough. You're not this. You're not that. 
But men, it's so interesting how men can just come into our world and change up the rules and say, hey, this is how it's going to be ran. And the reason why men can do that, because men are the ones in power. That's it still comes back to women's rights. That's what I think all this is. No offense. Sorry, men or transgender men or whatever. <laughs> Sorry. So here, here's the thing. Um, you made a number of very valid and fair points. Um, and I like the one thing that can't be disputed is there is a physical advantage that a transgender athlete would have over a girl or even a woman for that matter. So I guess I look towards government. And when I look at this bill that was passed by the Senate and the House in in the state of Mississippi, I see a bill that serves only a section, one section of people. And I see a bill that doesn't serve all the people. And your job as a government Your job as a government is to pass bills that serve everyone. Mm -hmm. If you want to pass this bill, fine. You can pass this bill. But you know what? As a government, your job will be to find another option for the transgender athletes. So I'm all, listen, I'm all for fairness. Um, I, if I had a daughter, I, you know, from that, in terms of, unless she was just a uber, super competitive daughter, competitive type person who just didn't care who they would compete against, I, I wouldn't feel comfortable with her, you know, I, I would have feel some type of way about that from a physical, her compete against transgender athletes from a physical standpoint, mm-hmm. uh, from a physical standpoint. But the government's job is to serve everybody. So if you come up with a bill and it and it and it and it excludes a group of people, then that's a problem, in, in my opinion. And because to me, it's like okay, so if the trans if, if these if the transgender athletes can't compete against women and girls, who are they going to compete against? And you know, it brings up a point. I wasn't sorry. Are you? Were you? I didn't want to cut you. No, 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 I was. So it brings up another point, you know, in terms of how women are discriminated against, because it's just interesting how, like I said, I, I, I hate to say it this way. I feel like men can kind of float and do whatever they want, but women can't. We can't do it. Like if a woman turn into a man, um, you know, and say, "Hey, I want to go compete with men. I want to go play football." They're going to say no. They're like, you were born a woman. I just feel like that is what would happen if it was kind of shoes on the other foot. But being that it's a man, men turn into women, I feel like they give special privileges, not just to, I'm not saying transgender. I'm just saying a man in general. Did you hear ever hear about the woman being disqual- disqualified? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Let me ask you before. I, I didn't mean to cut you off. Let me ask you this question too um, about in terms of government. because. Um, should should the government should the government press their personal and moral beliefs onto us as citizens? Because that's what because in essence that's what this is. I mean, this this governor doesn't believe you know 
doesn't believe in um, transgender athletes. He doesn't believe, um, you know, he talked to Chris Biden for you know, the moves that he was making in regards to some of the bills he passed. That is a personal belief that, that, that is a personal belief should a should, should government, I guess that would be the equivalent, not equivalent, but that would be kind of like, you know, with the, uh, if, if let's say there was a bill passed that, that destroyed Roe versus Wade. Um, so that, let me ask you from that standpoint, should government be allowed, should government pass bills that force their beliefs onto you as, uh, as a citizen? I mean, no, right? But they do, right? They do. No, they do. It happens all, yeah, no, it happens all the time. It's not new. No, for sure. But it's still one of those things, I guess there has to be some type of, you know, regulation or whatnot going on um that sometimes i don't know that's it's it's tough because when it comes to things like this it's like not just this just in general when they're trying to impass so i don't know it's that's tough because it's like yeah you don't want them all up in your business when it comes to certain things so um i and i guess what it what will it come down to like the schools and stuff like that um because I think this can be overstepping, but I think also then it comes down to the president Biden. Maybe he shouldn't have done anything as well, you know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of lot of layers to this. Um, so I and, did, I, go ahead. And, I, and I just wanted to wrap it up because I had a question in reference to like, did you hear about the case against that the female um, caster? What's her Simania? Um, in the 2016 Olympics, um, essentially, I, did you hear about that? I, I, I vaguely remember that. What, 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 what happened? Essentially, they said she had too much t- testosterone. Okay. Um, and she basically lost the case to compete in an all woman, in a woman, all, in a woman race. It was all woman race in Olympics back in 2016. Um, and I think she actually ended up winning and then they end up taking the like title or something like that. Or maybe she was able to keep it. I don't know how it truly ended, but I remember that popping up and they just were saying like she has too much testosterone. She should not be competing, all the stuff like that. Um, so it's just always interesting, like, you know, how it's just interesting. I just feel like when it's a woman thing or like when it's just strictly just women and you're having these conversations, it's never anybody jumping in or, or saying, Hey, that's okay. Or that's not okay. Um, I, I just think it's interesting. Cause I was just like, okay, how does this work? So if a woman testosterone level is too high, but she can't compete in an all woman race, but a transgender can, it's a little weird to me. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I can't even. I can't even wrap myself, wrap my head around it, even that question. It's like uh, yeah, it's not. It's not a. Yeah, it's not a straight. It's like, picking, it's like picking and choosing. Like okay, yeah, we want transgender. They can compete. They can go ahead and go into women's sports. But a woman that has that's born a natural woman and she just has high testosterone levels, she can't compete though. So it really starts to. You have to start thinking about this stuff. Like, how does this change everything? So if I, me as a woman that was born as a woman, I can't compete with other women because my testosterone level is too high. But a, a, a woman that was born as a man, 
but identifies as a woman, now I can go ahead and compete with the, with the all in the all women's race. It makes you think like, what is this stuff for? Is it really, who is it? Who are you picking and choosing these things for? And I think she was also black. So that's another thing that is a little like, mm, y'all picking and choosing on who you guys want to, you know, play. I don't know. It's just, it's a little, it, I just feel like that'll be across the board for everybody, for everything. Listen, like a lot of things in life, like, so over last year, there were a number, we were talking about Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter a, a lot uh, last year. And there was also a cry for, trans, you know, Black Trans Lives Matter, matters mm-hmm. well because there, uh, there were a, like, seemingly a record number of Black trans uh, gender people that were getting being killed and murdered. Mm. Mm. So, That's powerful. You know they that they you know that you know, like lot like a lot of things going back to the women's and black women. You know the, more times than not, you know you're African American. You're going to get the, the short end of the stick, no matter race, color, gender, religion, mm. whatever. In terms of from that standpoint. Uh, one last thing, I'll, I'll move on to the next topic. Um, I did. I have noticed a number. I have noticed um, that it seems like I'm not, that parents are allowing their children to make that decision at younger and younger ages. I have noticed that in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Begs another, which begs another question. You know, should you, as a parent, allow your ten-year-old or eight-year-old or 12-year-old, um, you know, from to go in that direction as far as, you know, as far as that identification. I I, I just, I, it's, a very, it's a very slippery slope, very slippery slope, uh, to be honest with you, because they, listen, you're going to catch it uh, being, being a transgender person, athlete, person, you're, you're going to catch it. That's all there is to it. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna catch hell. Uh, from hate groups, conservatives, uh, from everybody. Yeah, mm-hmm. simply, you're going to catch it. Uh, even, you know, so um, we'll see. I mean, I'm sure this is not the last that we're going to hear from from this in terms of this bill. We'll oh, yeah. keep, you, uh, keep everybody abreast on in terms of what, in terms of what uh, the fallout from this. Mm-hmm. So we're going to stay in the state of Mississippi. Okay. <laughs> Mississippi. Going out today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Mississippi. Yeah, Mississippi definitely. They definitely didn't, didn't have their best, maybe their greatest of weeks. Um, <laughs> so, we have some middle school students that were asked to pretend to be slaves. Uh, let me give you the, some of the details on this. Um, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll pull this up. Here we go. This this was some middle school students. And okay, I'm gonna tweet that. I need that the tweet. So basically, you had some students that were asked uh to pretend as if they were slaves. Uh they were this was a prod, this was a, a report. All right, here it goes, here it goes. So this was called a slave. It was called a slave writing activity. Okay. 
Yeah, slave writing activity. It says, pretend like you're a slave working on a Mississippi plantation. Write a letter to your family back in Africa or another American state describing your life. You may discuss the journey to America. Listen, you may discuss the journey to America as well as the day-to-day tasks you perform. You may also want to tell tell about the family you live with or work for. I like how they put live with before work for and how you pass and how you pass your time when you aren't working. Write at least three paragraphs, five sentences. Um, here's what the superintendent had to say about it. Pull this up real quick. And this middle school, this was eighth graders. They were these these middle schoolers were eighth graders at Purvis Middle School, Purvis Middle School in Mississippi. Um, the I want to pull up this quote. Pull up this. Uh, okay, Lamar County School District Superintendent Stephen Doctor Stephen Hampton, who did not immediately respond to people's request for comment, confirmed the assignment was given to students, but said it was the end of a PowerPoint presentation meant to show the aristocracies and negatives of slavery. The purpose was to show our students just how horrible slavery was and to gain empathy for what it had, for what it was like to be a slave. He told a NBC, ABC affiliate, WDAM, we do not discriminate against race. We want to be sensitive to what happened in the past. Uh, what is, give me your thoughts. <laughs> I mean, I just feel like, cause as if they couldn't just read and write up and, and read from a book or watch a, a movie. Like um, these are middle school students at that. Like uh, I'm just confused. Like I, I get there was, there wasn't an, an intent there wasn't an intent, right, to be like, you know, malicious about it, right? Maybe that wasn't her intent, but that doesn't justify or, you know, excuse or downplay downplay that it was just wrong. I feel like these teachers, um, especially these history teachers, especially if they're not, I'm sorry, if they're not Black, like they need to get better lessons on how to teach, you know, Black history in general, and they need to be taught how to teach it. And you're so busy trying to get creative where you're not even, you don't even, she probably doesn't even know the basics of, of Black history. So it's just always interested in how we have un, underqualified people trying to teach Black history. And that's, and this always happens. This is not going to be the first time. It's not going to be the last time no. that they, they do stuff like this. And they'll, they'll say, hey, they were paid and, and make up all, not say make up anything because they're just that ignorant to teaching this subject. So maybe these schools need to do a better job at teaching them or this should be a course. This should be a real course. This should be a real, you know, like, no, I don't know. I'm not going to say no one should be able to teach black history, but I feel like there needs to be more accountability from the schools and also the teachers to take real lessons on this is how you teach it. And this is how you don't, you know, this is how you teach it without being ignorant or, or, you know, doing stuff that just, stuff like this it's like you're trying to get creative and 
this is not the time or the place for it. All right. So just, yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Um, here's the thing. I've been in education going on 18 years. Now, mm-hmm. in fact, it is be 18 years in March, uh, starting uh, March of 03. So, and I've been with every, I've been with every grade from pre-K through through 12 over the, over the course uh, of my career. Mm-hmm. The education system is, and I don't care how good, how great, or how bad the school. The education system it does not entail, or we're not is not going to tell the story, the real story of right, the right. period. Mm-hmm. Period. So. This is what this is, and I hope parents are listening to this because this is where you you play the the ultimate role. I don't care if you're you have a if you have a straight A student, okay. You gotta know what the hell is going on with the curriculum and with if you have to know what message the school is sending to your child. What are they teaching? What are they teaching? your children because in a case like this yeah you can get offended and um you can get offended by it you knock the school okay what's the next step the next step should be for you to actually show your children your child what slavery was like like explaining in eighth grade they're, they're big enough to where you can you can give them the, the unfiltered version hey Explain the castration that men went through or women having pregnant women having babies ripped out of them or families getting separated from uh, separated from each other and not or, you know, lynchings and things of that nature. It is a trust me, by the time you get explained, by the time you get done explaining, the, you know, the real, you know, the real shit, they won't have any problem with empathy uh, for slavery. The slaves, or for that time period, if you allow the school to tell that story, that is the story that they're going to hear, and that can go like that. that you can say that about history in general. Okay, there's, there's this, you know, this this country as a whole has told this story of, uh, you know, has been built on, has been in, in essence not been built on, but has told this, you know, the story of America is basically is a lie. And exactly. as the older and older I get, and the more the more books I read, um, I that continues to show itself. Uh, <laughs> I continue to find that out. Uh, to be honest with you, so even when you get to even with Black History Month, even with the whole narrative surrounding Martin Luther King, you know Martin Luther King was this man of peace, and man, no Martin Luther King actually was one of the most radical leaders, in, right. and he was about economic empowerment, empowerment, which got him killed. So they, that story is not being told in our school. They, that, that, period. Like the most hated man before he died. <laughs> right. Exactly. So to me, um, I'm going to put the, the emphasis on the parents here because you, you know, again, it doesn't matter. Again, this, this school, I don't know where this school ranks. I know the state of Mississippi in terms of education, pre-K through 12, ranks 45, 45 out of 50 states. So they don't have great it's not, they don't have a, a great reputation for education, but I'm telling you right now, it doesn't matter. The, it doesn't, it doesn't matter how good or how bad the school is. 
these texts, they tell basically the same story in regards to the curriculum. They're not telling you the real story of America, especially when it comes to African-Americans. I'm telling you, I'm telling you as somebody who's been in the um, in this game for 18 years, it's not being told the right, the, the unfiltered way that it needs to be told. And I and I still do. I definitely agree, agree with you to put some of it on the parents, but it still needs to come down to these teachers and no offense, especially these white teachers. Stop trying to be creative with slavery. Let it go. I'm sorry. You don't even know the history yourself. And then now you're trying to go in front of a classroom full of students and you're trying to get creative and say, hey, write a letter and tell me how bad you, you know what I mean? Write a letter about slavery. You know what I mean? What you're, you're experiencing going through. Like, I just feel like, why do they need to do that? Like I said, it oh, no, they, the teachers, the, the, listen, you're a teacher. You got, you just got to know what the hell you're talking about. If you right. don't, like, if, they if can't read a book to see how bad it was. Right. They can't watch a movie. Why do they need to write the letter? Like, I just thought these, I'm just saying that the teachers are trying to be creative on a topic that they barely know about. So I think that's where they went wrong, the school district and specifically this teacher. Stop trying to be creative about how you're teaching slavery. Yeah, and it, I mean, it's, and you you call it creativity. I call it just flat out lying. Because when I said that, I told you that Pete, I told you that part when they said journey to Africa, journey to oh, America. There was, there, was no, there was no journey. The slaves, there was no journey to America. They I were, missed that part. Yeah, Sorry. I, you didn't. Oh, you didn't hear that part when I read that. Yes, that was part. That was that was they 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 said that. I thought you said something about paying them or something like that. And I was just like, they always do that. They said, they said, tell them about your, their, their journey to America. So that's, a, that's just a blatant lie, you know, uh, plain and simple. Um, so yeah, no, the teach listen, teachers guys, you actually have to know what the hell they're talking about. How can you teach something that you have no knowledge of it or don't have the proper, uh, or, or, or you're ignorant to it. So that's not, you know, that, that goes, that goes without saying. Again, I I can even say that, and I'll even say that in terms of regards to parents, parents gotta you know, this is where you go to the PTA meetings and what have you. Hold the school accountable. Period. Yeah, most so, definitely. Most um, definitely. I know a lot of the backlash and anger was towards you know the teacher. At least from what I read, I thought you know people just wasn't up, wasn't happy that she was telling them to write a letter and just some of the stuff she was doing. I have to read it again. Um, the, back, the backlash was about the idea that you, um, anytime the word plantation is used, I don't know if you heard the story. Um, you hear this story about the coach who used that with his team? You hear that's the dude from, uh, what was the coach? From Creighton. So, all right, so the coach, this coach from Creighton, uh, I forgot what his name is, McDermott. He has, his son plays in the NBA, but he's been, he's, Creighton's a good basketball team. He basically says, um, we can't. Um, I got now. I want to look this up. I want because I, I had to. I had to. I, All right. Yeah, I, I so excuse what I said, guys. Previously, I, I misinterpreted. <laughs> um, I gotta look up these comments that that this guy. Okay. Uh, the college basketball coach, uh, Greg McDermott. Greg McDermott comment. And then to, and to, and to make another point, this is just another example of also trying to 
you know, you have America trying to kind of dismiss what transpired 400 years ago. So that's part and of it. I'm, and it does, I'm right. I'm reading the letter activity now, and it does say um, you want to tell your tell the your family about who you work for, how you pass your time when you're not working, which is so interesting. And it also says write a letter. Let me see. State and it definitely says the plantation. Okay, I see what you're saying. Okay, so I I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, don't, don't worry about it. Here's what the coach. Here's what Greg McDermott said to his players. Right. Um, he was giving a you know uh, uh, I guess a, 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 a inspirational speech in his eyes. He says um, specifically, I said, guys, we got to stick together. We need both feet in. I need everybody to stay on the plantation. I can't have anybody leave the plantation. That's what he said. Yes. <laughs> to a bunch of 18, 20 year olds, which probably half of them are black or African-American. Wow. So he was, um, of course he was suspended. He was not fired. He was suspended. The, the players didn't want him fired. But again, that that's, you know, that anytime I, I mentioned, I, I brought that up because anytime the word plantation is used, that's definitely going to be a trigger. That's, that's not not a word to use uh, in, in 2021 or in any context, in that context. And I'm already very biased about sports anyways, because when it comes to sports, especially on that professional level, um, you know, I always you know how, you know, everyone's been kind of saying it now, especially now that people are finally able to speak up openly about racism and that it still exists. People are finally speaking up about athletes and, you know, the owners, the team, the owners of the teams and how honestly that feels like a form of slavery. You know, the slate, you know, the the masters own the the athletes like I'm sorry. I know a lot of men won't agree with this, especially black men. I am not a huge fan of sports. Sorry. Especially uh, I, I black owned sports. I, black. I, I can't blame you whatsoever for that uh especially considering like how i mean you talk about the, the, the ncaa and just how they've taken advantage of they i mean it's it's you know it's they've made billions of dollars on the backs of primarily african-american athletes and, Athlete. African, and the athletes don't get paid so no that, exactly yeah that, you know i i don't necessarily particularly like the the slavery connotation when it comes to, to athletes and sports because i unlike Slaves, athletes chose to play sports. Slaves and choose to play But I know, I know what you're saying. I, I kind of, I know. Yeah, what you're I don't mean that. I no, just, no, I know. It's like it's kind of like even our world now. Like the new form of, you know, how people say the new form of slavery is this or the new form. Right, of, right, right. I got you. Yeah, no, yeah, I mean, I that's got what you. I meant. Sorry, not really. No, that's no, I, I know. I know where you're coming <laughs> from. So we go from that to this in, in regards to reparations. A lot of conversations have uh, about reparations have, have, have started up again, especially, especially in the past year or two years. Um, look at some, um, it's been, you know, especially in this election, you're a lot, of, you're, a, you know, you're a lot of that, um, you have a lot of independent people, uh, millionaire, uh, celebrities and what have you uh pushing for reparations and pushing for all uh, former reparations. I know Ice T, not Ice T, Ice Q, uh TI. Uh so there are a number, there are a couple of groups who are um pushing for reparations uh mm -hmm. for African Americans. Um 
not as not if we needed reasons why there should be reparations, but just to give you a couple of reasons, uh, as you can look on the screen, where the median average median white household has a net worth of ten times that of the average median black household. Yeah, four hundred richest billionaires have total more than total wealth that uh than, yes, have more than the total wealth of ten million black households combined. Uh, white white billionaires make up ninety three percent of all billionaires, compared to only five black billionaires. And the federal made wait, you look at the federal minimum wage gap has not been has not been changed since two thousand nine. They're currently they're currently trying to fight fight for a, a raise in the minimum wage gap for two fifteen dollars. Now they have there are certain individual states that have pushed their minimum wage to fifteen dollars, but federally it has not been passed uh, by the Senate. I know the House passed, but it's not been passed by the Senate in terms of the federal minimum wage gap, which look at that. I mean it has not been since think about 2009. That's 12 years ago. Um, so we, you know, obviously uh, reparations has been a hot topic. Um, when you hear reparations, when you hear the discussions of reparations, what what, what are your overall thoughts? I mean, I, I've been pushing for reparations before, uh, let's just say the race wars and the COVID and everything that started last year. That's actually what my podcast was talking about. So I've been talking about this, been talking about this primarily because all the pretty much all the gains and everything that we made during the civil rights era have pretty much been wiped out, especially once the Great Recession hit back in 2005. Right. So what happened in 2005, 2006, when the economy crashed, you know, due to the housing market, my my lovely industry. Right. Back when that happened, everybody pretty much, you know, money went down for everybody. Everyone pretty much plateaued. Uh, but what happened after that, when, when households started to recover, um, everyone else households or I guess every other community but the black community, uh, wealth and their household or, you know, their income or net net worth or whatnot shot back up. Right. Right. But black people didn't. Why? Because obviously we weren't we were hit the worst um, during the recession. Those subprime loans were targeted was targeted in our communities first. And we already know when America gets sick, gets sick, when America gets sick, what black people get pneumonia? Is that the same? That's that, is, that is, I've heard that a time or two. Exactly. So it's already bad enough that we've been, there's been outside of slavery, we've had all these obstacles and hurdles that were put in front of us on purpose. Um, even when we start to build our own cities and towns, what happened to them? They got destroyed or or bombed or whatever. Magic. Yeah, Tulsa, 1921, yeah. Rosewood. And that's just one. It's like it's so many communities that this happened to. So everybody wants to keep talking about, oh, black people, you're not doing this, you're not doing that. Anytime we start to prosper, we are purposely targeted and our communities are destroyed. So though, so we're talking about the massacres that's Tulsa, Oklahoma, and Rosewood. Those are just one communities that we know about. You right. know what I mean? Just one cities that we know about. There's tons. Let's not forget about the black banks that we had. A lot of them were destroyed, especially um during the um what was it during Reconstruction? If you look at all the stuff that black people did during Reconstruction, that was right after slavery, we had so much gains so fast. 
And what happened to all that? Good old Jim Crow came along and started all his laws. And all, and then just in general, they started destroying our banks and everything that we did own or have. Anywhere we put our money, they made sure they took it from us, right? So with that being said, um, reparations is not something that should just be a conversation. It needs to happen. And it doesn't need to show up in a form of just money. It needs to be a number of things because in, in real estate, not just redlining, there's a lot of, and there's tons of, there's a whole book that, that came out a long time ago. And actually all the real estate agents started in our area. And last summer they started to read the book and it was actually written by a, a white man. And I can't remember that. I actually have the book and I can't remember it right now, but he talks about all the different ways that um, the government purposely, you know, put policies and laws and different things out there. So black people would not accumulate wealth through real estate, as we all know, or some of us like to pretend like we don't know the fastest way to build wealth is through real estate. Yep. So, during good old Reagan era and all these other eras, all these other lovely presidents that we have, there's a lot of things. There are a lot of po programs and, and policies that they put out there that they purposely made sure black people were left from out of. And if we try to, uh, you know, get on these programs and be a part of these programs, um, I mean, we, we can try, but we wasn't able, it wasn't, it wasn't, many of us were not successful. So it's like, and this is the government that has done this. That's and that's back in the 40s and the 50s. So this is after slavery. There's still so much points in history that we've been heavily discriminated against and kept from wealth. So reparations isn't something that's a maybe it needs to happen. And I was speaking with some people yesterday. We talked about different ways it can show up. It can show up from taxes. That's just one way. It can show up in real estate. It needs to show up in our student loans because why black people have the most student loan debts. Because we don't have trust funds. We wasn't able to build generational wealth. Because that's usually how people's real estate and, and um, college education degrees are usually paid from the family. It's not usually by the individual that's going to college. Usually a parent or a grandparent pays for that stuff. And I know that for a fact in real estate. I know for a fact when people are getting forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 from their families, it's not Black people because our families don't have it because we weren't able to build that generational wealth. The book that, the book that Monique is talking about is called The Color of Law, I believe. Yeah, there we go. Sorry, I totally forgot The Color of Law. I just looked it up, so don't, don't give me too much. <laughs> so, That's the perfect book. Read about it. It was written by a white man a long time ago, and he's been talking about what the government has purposely done to Black people. And this is after slavery for all you. Oh, slavery was so long ago. We're not talking about slavery. We're talking about literally when our grandparents were young. We're talking about when our parents were young. So it's not that long ago. And we have to stop saying that it was so long ago when it wasn't. It's literally one generation away. And at the end of the day, slavery is a direct correlation to the lack of wealth that we don't have today. Because wealth isn't built through your income. Wealth is created over time. Yes. People yes. need to know that difference because most people don't know the difference. They keep saying, oh, I make six figures. You don't have wealth, boo-boo. That's, that's your income. <laughs> You're right. not going to come wealthy this way. You're not going to come wealthy by six figures. I'm sorry people who have this, this made up thing. And, and I've studied um, wealth and inequality for a long time. They didn't just come up last year. And I hate to keep saying that because people are finally having these conversations. And with these conversations, there's still so much ignorance around these conversations. 
So sorry, passionate about it. <laughs> no, and you should be. We should be. Um, here, here's what I'll say about reparations. Uh, like reparations have been long overdue. Um, not only with financially, but even just psychologically, what transpired, mm-hmm. what this country has done uh, to African Americans over the course of history. Uh, so was slavery, Jim Crow, civil rights, and just every. I mean, I, I can. There's a laundry list of of, of mishaps um, and abuse that this country has, as and hatred that this country has shown towards African Americans. The problem is, and again, I'm a, I applaud anyone. I heard a podcast today. It was to, uh, Erica Alexander. Um, do a podcast on reparations and kind of, you know, going through some of the reasons why, the history of it, you know, which, and, you know, shout out to her for that. And I know I obviously want, want to, want the conversations to, to go on to continue for, for the next, for the current and future generations. Is it realistic that we will ever see reparations in, in the near future? I would say no. And, that I I am probably one of the most positive, you know, people that you'll ever meet as far as the, the my outlook and perspective on life. But the bottom line is, your liber- your oppressor is not going to be your liberator. Exactly. Uh, this country, and this is what, and I'm going. This is why I'm going to tie in everything almost that we've talked about, with the exception of maybe if I could even tie filters into this too. Because filters is a part of the system too. So systems and institutions are not built to serve individuals. Systems and institutions are ser- are built to serve institutions and systems. So talk about the NFL. NFL is not the NFL is about the NFL. Not that they're not about the players. You talk about the government. The government is not about the people. They're about the government. You know. Um, so I think that ultimately we, especially as African-Americans, are going to have to create a system or an institution that serves us. And I, again, how that, you know, part of that is, you know, is, is, is part of that is a lot of that, and I'm going to tie this in and tie this in as well, a lot of that is going to have to be Black women and black men and black women coming together as one. Uh, we earlier talked in the podcast about the divide between black men and black women. Uh, there's no way that reparations or any form of reparations can happen if we, if, if, if black men and black women are not on the same page. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have any faith, any confidence in this government, first of all, consider what I just said in regards to the minimum wage. If they're not passing, it, first of all, the reparations doesn't happen without without the government approval. The bill has to be passed for reparations, realistically, okay? If they don't want to give you a, a bump in terms of minimum wage, you think they want to give you, what, 20 or $30 million or whatever, uh, 
wherever would wherever would be in terms of land, wherever that reparations would would would, would, uh, would intake or be the result of that. Because what happens? What happens if I? What happens? What will happen to your life if you got a check for twenty million dollars? You're gonna pay off all your student loans. You're gonna invest in property. You as a black man or black woman will be prospering more than likely. That's not what this gov. That's not what this system was designed to do. Definitely. It will not be designed for us as as African Americans to prosper in any shape, way, or form. So that, from that standpoint alone, it is it's not realistic. Um, also, there are people out there. There's there are enough people out there in our population in our country who don't even who believe racism ended uh, when Obama was elected president. Or who believe that well, I, I I didn't own any slaves, so why you know why does it have to be reparations? Or who think that um, uh, black people will waste the money and you know you know and buy you know rims and cars you know stuff you know, ignorant stereotypes that that have been put on black people for forever. So from that standpoint. I would just say that it's not going to happen. But again, to me, the bigger issue is it's about creating our own system, creating our own institution that serves us. And that's why, you know, I'm pushing and we've had this conversation offline about ownership and and entrepreneurship and things of that nature, because that's really the only way uh to not be under that under the bubble of you're dependent on a minimum wage or you're dependent on so and so to give you this promotion despite the fact that you have two master's degrees and a doctorate or you're dependent on or you're making you know or or you're making um or you have a your household is is 10 times less in terms of the average worth of of a white household so a lot of this in terms of reparations a lot of this is going to be dependent on what we do uh what we do for ourselves rather than uh even remotely counting on a government now we can we can pressure this administration and we can keep having the meetings and we can keep i mean asking the questions and having the conversations right Uh, i don't expect anything out the government go ahead i'm sorry yeah i mean i don't expect anything from them either. I think we should still push the agenda because at the end of the day, when there is, and and actually I remember writing this, actually I put a PowerPoint together years ago and it was Representative um, Ellison. He was talking about like why, you know, the people that was harmed, he essentially would say, say this, when you disfranchise a group of people and you don't allow those people peace so they can rebuild shouldn't there be some form of consequence for, I guess, essentially the oppressor, right? When there's no readdress to when issues happen, especially. Um, so for example, you know, we all know that reparations was given to, you know, Asians, right? Um, or the Japanese, right? And same yes. thing with Jews as well. And, you know, they purposely waited to, you know, they they made sure that black people did, didn't get reparations and it, let's wait th- let's wait a long time and then now the conversation of reparations is now it's a big topic and they did that on purpose that was all by design clearly um but one thing he always one thing he said in his 
and his and he actually did a really good report on this because he was interviewed years ago. And I remember reading about it. He was just saying, dear white people or descendants of white slave owners, your ancestors created a large part of the racial wealth divide. Wealth, after all, is generational. And then he just said there are millions of white families today that still benefit from the wealth accumulated during slavery. Enslavement of black people in general. And then he just was writing different things like from the free labor of the black enslaved. So there's a number of things that he wrote in this article. And it was it was beautiful. It was well written. And he basically was just saying that we need to be the ones that we need to keep pushing the agenda, whether we get it or not. We have to. Um, because at the end of the day, we're the only ones that's going to, you know, cry out for us or ask for help for us. It's something like that he was saying in short, but I thought it was just a beautiful, beautiful, well-written article. And um, sheesh, I wish I knew where it was, where it's, where it was at, like what the name of the article was. Um, let me see if I can find it. But that's in, in short what he was saying, like we have to be the ones that um speak on it let me see we have he said it and he says um we need to do an active push he said there ain't never been reparations for anyone for anything unless the plaintiff made a demand no one who inflicts injury on anyone else they don't volunteer reparations if african americans want to have a more in-depth exploration into what we've contributed to america then we have to be the ones who make that call. And that's, that makes sense. Like, why would I, you know what I mean? I'm not going to go, people that injure other people, they don't go out their way. I mean, maybe some people are naturally good people, but most of us, I mean, I don't think they are. So I just thought he just, that was really important. There ain't never been reparations for anyone for anything unless the plaintiff made a demand. So. No, you have to push the envelope. I mean, it's the same. It's, it's similar to what we saw in the summertime with protests. Those protests led to led to some things getting done as right. far as voting, as far as voting, and you know, getting the previous administration out of out of office. So, I, I, I you have to. There has to be a starting point. Right. Pushing the conversation and pushing the agenda is is the starting point. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is, will it happen? Uh, yes. I, what I'm saying is. I have to think I have to be a realist and I have to think big picture and right, I, right. I, from everything that this country that I've seen out of this country and understand from the history of this country, it says, say it tells me that it will not be passed through, it, government, through government. It definitely won't. And I don't think it's going to be a check. I think it needs to show up in so many different ways where it can really help us move the ball. Like I said, from housing to student loans or just, you know, making sure we get free education, not even student loans taxes it needs to show up in all those different areas not just to check that's my sole belief but like you said will that actually realistically happen in our lifetime probably not <laughs> yeah i think i think that again to me i think big picture we we have to really come together mm-hmm. and uh you mentioned those groups um uh native americans have also been given given land Yes. Yeah, so that I, I, so I didn't want to leave. Definitely want to leave them out. And there's more than that, you know. And certainly, no. There's more. You mentioned we mentioned with uh, Japanese, uh, Jewish, and Native Americans, and I would say all three of those groups have have something in common. And unfortunately, 
black us as blacks don't and that's again there's a sense of more of a sense of togetherness and being on the same page to be honest with you and i hate this i hey i love my i love my black people i love uh, love being but black it, but we need to be we we have to be somewhat on the same page in order to get but it, it, that comes down to history we were also divided we were we were probably one of the only few groups that were divided for not just you know 10 years or 20 years it was hundreds and hundreds of centuries so when people were saying let's just come back together this was all by design no you know? everything is by no it, it's no it's divide it's the ultimate divide and conquer and yeah. then also we were slaves longer than we've been free so i i hear what people are saying about stuff but i feel like we need to practice a little bit more patience obviously a mixture between like patience and understanding that we haven't even been free longer than we've been slaves and then at the same time, we practice those patients with each other, but still, but still feel, figure out a radical way to come together. Not, not a radical way, right? That sounds bad. But figure out a, um, a, a more proactive. Oh, you, you were right. The first, you, you were right. <laughs> radical. No, yeah, it, 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 it changed. This, I mean, change the type of change that we're talking about has to be radical. Like what's what's happening with Reconstruction? This is like I consider. Um, and I heard this from from a couple of other experts too, uh, black academics talking about this. This is kind of like what's going on with the uprising right now in our country is kind of like a, another form of a reconstruction. So this is radical. What's happening right now, and that's why you see uh, mm-hmm. this. That's why you see uh, uprising white fear in regards to right. you know, the capital. You know, the storming of the capital and all that. All that shit that happened. But right. there, there is a there, and there is a. Uh, you know, there's a, com- a comeuppance coming uh, that's coming. And but mm-hmm. I, I feel confident about that. But in regards to, you know, I feel, definitely feel confident about that. But in regards to reparations, it, there had, we have to find a way in order for anything to get done in the history of this country. We, it, there has to be a sense of togetherness. I mean, the Montgomery, <laughs> the Montgomery bus boycott, though, you know, they were together. They were like, we're not, you know, we're not going to be getting get on the bus. We're going to hit them in the pockets. We're gonna sacrifice. Got to walk to work, and they and they got stuff done. Period. So that it takes it takes like to your point, it takes patience, it takes sacrifice, and it takes a lot of thought, a lot of thought, and you know, again, keep pushing the envelope like as the conversations go. Like you said, and, yeah. action. <laughs> yes. yes. Oh my goodness, we need to do a whole new episode on just reparations. Oh my gosh. I mean, we we could have did an episode, a separate episode on a number of these uh, issues that we talked about. Right. To be honest, you know, reparations does is like you know, like I said, I, taught, I explained it before. They, they're doing podcasts about reparations, so no, it's it's definitely there. There's so much to reparations. Um, obviously, there's more than what we're going to talk about on, on this part on on this particular podcast because it is um, it is a topic that. Uh, it's not going anywhere anytime soon. And certainly something that I'm going to follow uh, in regards to some of these conversations that I had. Um, but again, I with with the conversations has to come organization and mobilization in regards to that, in regards to it. You can't just have the conversations. What, what is what is the next step in terms of the action? What, what's the plan, per se, uh, logistically, right, in terms of how we're going to go about getting it done or attempting to get it done. Um, and again, I would not by any stretch of any means be depending on uh, the government 
Right. Whatsoever. So it, there has to be a plan. It almost has to be a plan, even minus. I would say if I, and this is just my opinion, I would say if, you, if people are thinking about a plan or discussing on reparations, immediately go in thinking that the government is not going to support you. That's that, right. that, that mean the best, that, that to me should be the best course in terms of the, your thought process. That's very good. Well, we covered just about everything um, on this podcast, uh, on the on the podcast uh, this evening. Uh, again, I would like to thank Monique Malabet, Malabet for joining me. Uh, you can find her, of course, Young Black and I Invest. Uh, before you head out, give them your uh, Instagram as well as Twitter handles. Oh, yes. So I know Rillo laughed at my handles, but I have a personal page. And of course, I have to have a business real estate page. And then I have my podcast page. So it's not that much, but it is a lot. <laughs> Yes, I will post all. I, I will post all the information once I post. Once I yeah. so once I yeah, I'll do my first page, and then from there you can always look and see all the other pages. So First Lady Realty is like the most active page that I use, and it's the number one st lady. Sorry, one st lady realty. Oh my gosh, this is my eye messages now. One st lady realty. So that's, and then also at Young young Black and I Invest. Young Black, I Invest. Sorry. There we go. <laughs> Those are my main two. All right. All right. And um, we're going we're gonna to be doing this uh, monthly. So be on, be on the lookout for another episode come April. Uh, have fun. I, I definitely enjoyed this. And I'll be looking forward to uh, hearing from you again on the Real Deal podcast uh, with uh, volume, it'll be like episode four of Brillo and Monique. All right, take it easy, Monique. Thank you again. Take care, guys. That's going to wrap it up for this latest edition of the Real Deal podcast. Uh, This episode will be out tomorrow. Um, This episode will be out tomorrow and uh, have a great, great rest of the evening. Have a great rest of your week.